You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the First and Ten podcast coming to you live here on a Sunday, recording before the Dallas Cowboys head on out to Oxford. It is your boys, Dave Sturchio, Tony Catalina, and, of course, Aiden Davis. And today we are joined. It's a doubleheader, but we had to get the best of the best right before Oxford starts right here on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. We had to bring on two of the primo writers in Dallas Cowboys, not just on Blog and the Boys like Aiden and Tony. So I'm sorry to say, boys, you're going to take a backseat to this one. Michael Gelkin. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is on the left coast. I'm assuming you're already out in Oxnard, or are you leaving tomorrow? When are you, when are you heading out? I leave tomorrow. I leave on Monday. So I'm still, still here in Dallas. Well, Thanks thank you so me. much. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Obviously, uh, we're all pumped uh, as either people in the media, people, the, you know, the fans out there. Everybody's jazzed up. The Cowboys are finally going to get to camp. We're about to see our first good look at the 2022 Dallas Cowboys. So let's dive right into it. I don't want to waste any more time. Um, so look. The Cowboys run with Dak Prescott, QB4. He's the guy, right? And now you're hearing reports, including yours, um, saying that Dak Prescott is in the best shape of his life right now. What are your expectations going into the 2022 season for Dak? I think he'll have a chance to better build off of the 2019 year than what he was afforded. Uh, You know, 2020 was a bit of a wash with the week five open ankle fracture. And then last season, you know, he in the spring isn't even doing 11 on 11, Um, you know, in some of the movement type drills, they just kind of stripped off the menu in the spring. Then comes training camp and very early go, he suffers a lat strain and misses an entire month of live practice throws. And so I I just think he hasn't really had a base where an off season where he's been able just to kind of focus and have a a typical uh, routine, Uh, you know, he doesn't have to worry about COVID impacting the spring program, you know, and we'll see over the course of training camp, if he can stay healthy and if his receivers, importantly, can stay healthy. Because I just think there's a, been a lot of time on task. If you look at when CeeDee Lamb first got into the league in, in April of, of 2020, got drafted into the, the pandemic, no on-field workout in the, no on-field work in the spring, no uh, uh, preseason together, a, a shorter training camp, uh, and then the injury to, to Dak. And so it's just the timing and rhythm of the offense, the details, all of that, really showed up last season as, as lacking. And so Dak being healthy all offseason represents something of a fresh start in that very important category. Now, as far as uh, as far as his weapons are concerned, the, the loss of Amari Cooper, we ship him out. I always make a joke for a bag of balls. You know, I feel like we didn't get much for him. Uh, but now he's out there with CeeDee Lamb. And, you know, the, the questions are surrounding the health of the rest of the guys. Do you think it's going to look more like the year where, you know, Dez was there and we had – you know, role players around him. Like, is he going to have to work a little harder this year to be great? Or is he just going to just do his thing and we're all just going to kind of ease our minds? I think it's the number one question going into training camp is just this wide receiver core. Uh, what, what does it look like week one? 
you know, Michael Gallup, we can expect not to be part of things at the start of Oxnard. You know, the Cowboys will submit their their PUP and non-football injury lists, um, I, I, I believe, on Tuesday. Um, and so we'll have some clarity there, at least some official clarity there. But it's pretty clear where Gallup is and isn't. He's progressing well, but just isn't there yet after the February ACL surgery. So um, there's, that, there's that factor. James Washington, he missed uh, most of the spring with a foot injury. Uh, C.D. Lamb was off the field with a hamstring. Those two injuries appeared to be minor, where if minicamp was week one, they would have been on the field, but it wasn't, so they weren't. So, um, you know, Jalen Tolbert, a third-round pick, uh, you know, what is what can he provide? Uh, you know, you look at the film from him in college, and he was so efficient on those like, deep over routes, and he could really, you know, test defenses laterally with, with some of the things that he can do. Uh, what, what does his menu look like in terms of not just offense, but special teams? Uh, you kind of just go down the list of the Cowboys wide receiver core, but you ultimately ended up going back to the top, which is that CeeDee Lamb needs to take that next step going into his third NFL season. You know, Michael, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit with my question there because you touched on Michael Gallup, but it's safe to say that some of these players uh, will be coming in a little slower than others due to injury rehab. Michael Gallup, uh, Jabril Cox are the people that come to mind most uh, immediately there. Uh, do you have a sense of where these guys are in the process and how the team will be viewing their situations once they get to Ocknard? It's been a while since I received any medical updates, so I probably wouldn't be able to really tell you with confidence before I get to Oxnard. Uh, I will say, you know, not just Gallup, but you mentioned Jabril Cox. You know, he, he didn't practice at all this spring. I think it's important to have perspective when it comes to him and his recovery. Uh, I don't know if Cowboys fans should expect now that Jabril Cox is back that suddenly, you know, the, the depth on the, at the linebacker position is fortified. And, and this is someone who can be on the field and nickel situations right away. It's important to remember that, you know, at the time of his injury, which was Halloween against the Vikings last year, you know, he was a special teamer. Uh, he was very active in that role. He was doing well, but they were easing him along. And so uh, we'll see what kind of role he provides, but he might just start off on special teams to begin the season. And uh, maybe some situational work uh, as as the year goes, or if they feel he's ready for it right away. But there's still some gray areas to how exactly he fits into the defensive plans. Michael, you wrote I read your article about Story Jackson and Dennis Houston working out with Ronnie Braxton. And for all the listeners out there, I highly encourage you to read it because it's a great piece on two undrafted free agents. I was curious. It seemed like this undrafted free agency class was actually pretty impressive by the Cowboys. And there's a lot of names in there that could potentially make the roster. I was wondering from your perspective, what are some names that fans should look out for? Because there is a decent chance that they end up on the final 53 man roster. Yeah. That list, you know, if, there, if I, if you get afforded me one pick to click one guy who will make this team as an undrafted rookie, I would go with Marquise Bell uh, safety out of Florida A&M uh, the length, the speed, you can just see him fit in right away on not only special teams with John Fossil likes from, you know, just one of the athletes like that, but with Dan Quinn, you know, someone who got, has someone uh, in that Jaron Curse mold of just, just having those physical traits. Uh, you know, the Cowboys really love not to load up the their nickel or dime sub or nickel sub, sub package with linebackers. You know, they're very comfortable having a curse be right there next to Micah Parsons in, in the inside linebacker of their defense and just have them, you know, use their athleticism, match up against tight ends, uh, you know, banjo running backs. Uh, they really like those two uh, paired together. And so if, uh, if if you're looking at the depth of the defense, you know, someone with Marquis Bell's physical intangibles and, 
you know, his football instincts look pretty good in some early flashes. You're only able to see so much in the spring, certainly as media, the access that we're given. Um, but there's a lot of positive there. Uh, I mean, he, they gave him more guaranteed money, which is always a good place to look uh, than any other undrafted rookie signing. And so that's always a bit of a hint as to how valued Ali he was to the Cowboys, but also to other teams after the draft expired and he was still available. Uh, Peyton Hendersh- Hendershot uh, is another name, a tight end. Uh, and then the kicker, uh, Jonathan Garibay. We'll see. I think it's going to be, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about kickers over these next Hell yeah, let's weeks. <laughs> and for me, that means charting a lot of field goals where it's like, oh, from what distance was this going to be? Oh, is it 45 or 46? I can't, 45. Okay. <laughs> and they uh, say, hey, hey uh, Michael, they uh, say your job's in? not exhilarating. Come on. Is, is that why I left you to go in? Oh, I wish I wish there was a referee beneath the goalpost. I could tell from this angle. Kind of body language. Was there a fist pump after that? Was there, a, you know? And so, like, it, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. I'm excited. I can't wait. I might move up my flight tomorrow so I can, I, I can be there. Um, so there's... There's there's a, a kicker competition to come. I, I think one hint as a reporter that I'm looking for is that, and I, I could just be making this up out of nowhere, um, but you always kind of like want to train your eyes before you get someplace and you see, okay, if this happens, this might tell me something as a reporter. Um, you know, last training camp in Oxnard, the it was very clear that Brian Inger going in was going to be the Cowboys punter. Um, but they had a uh, they had a, a young kicker slash punter, someone who kind of do both, and they were having him do both. And it was like, okay, but it's very clear that he's not really a viable candidate either. If, you, if they're asking him to kind of do both, it'll be interesting to see if if Liram Hyruluha is asked to. I hope I got that right. I okay, usually right, do that again. Try it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if I can, I, I can spell it usually, but I got to sound it out. Um, if 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 he's asked to do both, then that would say okay, Jonathan Garibay is, is considered in the building to be to be the guy. But if they have Liram only do field goals and Garibay is obviously doing field goals, and it, then it to me it seems like okay, this is a this is a real competition, and and suddenly uh, you know Liram is a guy who's got ten years of experience, not in the NFL but CFL. He's a, he's a multiple All Star. He won the Grey Cup with a game winning field goal about a minute left. And so there's there's some experience there that maybe the Cowboys are are, are weighing that. Um, and so I, I think it'll be interesting to see not just how they perform, but also how their usage is uh, in California. We call that a clutch gene, by the way, <laughs> when you're getting great cup championships. Tony, go ahead, bro. <laughs> so, you know, kind of changing gears a little bit here. We always hear Stephen Jones mentioned that talent acquisition is a 24-7 business. Um, and, you know, they're going to give this roster every chance to be evaluated and they go into training camp. So there may not be some big moves going into it, but do you have a sense that they may be possibly looking at some impact free agents that are out there and you know how they always get linked to the Cowboys. Do you see there's any, uh, any legs with that out there? Yeah, I, I think perhaps uh, Hyrulahu, I think is the way you're supposed to pronounce it. There you go. Do that. Um, <laughs> maybe. I mean, I think a, a linebacker, Anthony Barr is still available until the day that he signed someplace. You consider it a possibility, although the Cowboys have had discussions there and it was it was finance related as to why they couldn't close. And so whether the numbers change, it's hard to say. Uh, they, you know, they've since signed a couple of linebackers, Christian Sam, Malik Jefferson. And so maybe they consider themselves having moved on at this point. But even if they have considered themselves moved on, an injury happens and suddenly you're back in the game and maybe that extra million dollars or whatever it would be to close that gap suddenly becomes a little bit more palatable. So I, I don't think you can close the door on any any name, be it at linebacker, be it at wide receiver. Uh, you know, Given the question marks that I think we're all able to see and we've touched upon earlier, uh, it's perhaps – 
you know, a spot that the Cowboys could upgrade, um, you know, who's available just because it's a name doesn't necessarily mean it's someone viewed of substance in terms of being able to help them. And so their, their list might look different than, you know, the outsides lists uh, based on medical information and what they see on film and the conclusions of their personnel department. So um, we'll see. I think part of the reason that Hubbard Turner is so interesting, because, you know, if it's not a, a Jalen Tolbert or if it's not, uh, you know, a, a name that we, we consider a lock on the 53-man roster, that means it's going to be somebody who's either here, who's thought to be more of a bottom end type guy, or it might be someone who's not presently in the building, someone who would be acquired externally at some point over the coming months. So uh, I, I think that whole wide receiver position um, really is going to bear out in multiple ways. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times uh, when C.D. Lamb lines up the return a punt, I'm just I, I look the other way. I I, I can't. There's, there's there's something bound to happen or something. Knock on wood. So I'll keep C.D. out of punt return. Yeah, there's, um, quickly on that. I, I was at the NFL own readings and I've written this twice, uh, but I think it's important. So I might even write it a third time at some point. Do it, and I'll stay here. Uh, I was at the NFL owner meetings in, in Palm Beach uh, back in March, and it was at a, a, a health and safety press conference. And it was a really impressive press conference, uh, like, which is a weird thing to say, but like the the, the two guys that were up there were just uh, phenomenal talking about these different aspects of, of player health. And one thing that they said was that, yes, they are working on, as a competition committee, how to make the punt safer because they have all the statistics of when injuries occur, what severity, what type and all that. And they break it down. And one of the conclusions they can make is that the punt is the most dangerous play presently in the sport. We've seen the changes made to kickoff, what changes could come on the punt play and the two positions that are considered the most dangerous on the most dangerous play are gunner and returner in some order. And when CD lamb (laughs) is your primary returner on the most dangerous play in the sport. I think it needs to be mentioned a whole bunch because yeah, if bit. you want to say, look, he's a playmaker. We want to get the ball in our playmakers hands. Okay. But there's other ways to get the ball into CD lamb's hands. It doesn't involve, you know, guys running 22 miles per hour uh, at him in an open space. And he's, you know, and statistically you know, all that. So, um, I'm, I'm with you that I think there is reason to move off of CD Lamb as your primary punt returner, but as to whether or not that happens, another thing for us to watch. Absolutely. Now, switching over to the defensive side of the ball for a second. Um, look, we all knew what we were getting. Well, you know what? I can't even say that. We kind of were hyped about what we could possibly get out of Micah Parsons in year one, right? And I, I had dubbed him the linebacker, and I think you took it and ran with it, right? Like, whoa, that was- no, no, whoa, that is not true. I, I thought that was you. No way. Oh. I didn't see that. It was oh. 100%. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I take those accusations. I promise you I didn't get it from you. But great minds. <laughs> great minds, right. I, no, it was a DM about it, I swear. But anyway, um, Mike Micah Parsons coming into year two. Um, your expectations for him, and do you think that at this point, based off the draft, based off the Fowler signing, based off of the rotation of guys are going to be in and out of there for the defensive line, do you think Micah Parsons in 2022 finds himself back in the hybrid role, or do you find him that he's just going to be finally we can back him up a little bit? He could play, you know, a little outside linebacker. Like, where do you expect Micah Parsons to be lined up on day one? He'll be hybrid. He'll, he'll be moving favorite. around. Um, inside linebacker is probably where he'll play, you know, most of his snaps. 
Um, but they'll be moving them around situationally. They'll be moving around based on matchup. They'll be moving them around based on where their roster is from a health standpoint. You saw when you know Demarcus Lawrence suffered his uh, Jones foot fracture in week two during practice before the Chargers game. You know, all of a sudden, Micah Parsons was a full-time defensive end. Um, and then when Randy Gregory was was banged up with a calf or whatever it may be, you know, you saw more of Micah uh, rushing off the edge. And all times where there was a moment where you thought, oh, because of injuries, he might move to end full-time, and they didn't. They pulled him back. And so uh, they like to keep not only us guessing, but more importantly, other teams guessing, uh, not game-to-game, down-to-down, situation-by-situation, He's a targeting problem where before every single snap, the quarterback, the center, and the entire offensive line need to be on the same page of where it's number 11. The Cowboys like that. And even when, you know, Micah isn't necessarily rushing the quarterback, he might be mugging the A or the B gap. They think he's coming right when the snap comes, he bails into coverage. And suddenly that frees up another guy in terms of being isolated on a one-on-one that could lead to a quarterback pressure. So you really can't say enough about what he does for the Cowboys defense, what he does for the Cowboys team. Um, it's year two for him, but, uh, you know, I think having a full season to tape, and I just wrote about this, it'll be in uh, Monday's paper and online Monday, uh, isn't going to help. Uh, you know, I talked to Micah about that uh, a few days ago about, you know, they still have to stop him, you know, if they still have to block him one-on-one and he likes him in those scenarios. So, um, yeah, no, I, you can't say enough about about Micah Parsons. He's, he's special. I mean, I, I think there's going to be a time where it will be fashionable, and the time probably isn't now, but the time will come where it's probably fashionable to say that he's the second best defensive player in this league to Aaron Donald. Um, I don't think we're that far off. Um, I've kind of bit my tongue throughout this whole, you know, I've ever since seeing him at the Hall of Fame game uh, in that preseason, you know, he was only, what, 15 snaps, if, if that, maybe 20, whatever it was. You could tell he was different. You could tell in Oxnard he was different, but I think that game in particular, once they kind of let him free or let him roam, uh, it was clear. And so let's just wait. Let's just see how it goes. But I think based on the full season of tape, I feel comfortable saying that, you know, he's he's right there in the best of the best, regardless of whatever his present day Madden rating says. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Madden, the Madden rating can go scratch for everybody, by the way. <laughs> Zach, Zeke, everybody. They're all trash. Go ahead, Aiden. <laughs> so we've hit on a few position groups today that obviously have question marks in them. There's question marks at linebacker. There's question marks at receiver. There's Definitely question marks on the offensive line. What position are you really going to be monitoring during training camp? Because you feel like the Cowboys are most vulnerable or one injury away from a real disaster. Yeah, it's a great question. Wide receiver, I've already kind of touched upon, but that's probably where my eyes first go. Um, linebacker, as you said. Um, there's so many. Uh, you know. Can, can Zeke stay healthy? I'm fascinated to see the depth there behind him and Tony Pollard. Um, I think if Zeke can stay healthy, he's entirely capable of a 1,200 rushing yard type season. Thank you. Uh, based Thank on how he looked like at the start of <laughs> last year. Um, but can he? You know, is that something that's changing with age? I mean, is there a new reality with that? And so I think it's it's valid to, to monitor that. Uh, I'm really excited to see Rico Daddle in terms of number three running back. He's the most impactful player that the Cowboys were missing last season at times, especially down the stretch when Zeke was really limited with the, with the right knee. Um, you know, he missed all of uh, – Rico Dowell did. Missed the entire spring, not with the hip injury that ended his season in the preseason last year, but with a knee that required a scope, something that had been ailing him for a while, so he decided to just take care of it. He should be good to go uh, for training camp. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, a tight end depth chart, 
Uh, it's pretty inexperienced uh, behind Dalton Schultz, who I, seems to be uh, Cowboys fans who aren't blocked like him. Um, <laughs> there, uh, you know, Sean McEwen, he's got the neck, neck issues from last season where, where that was kind of flaring up on him in multiple instances. And so, um, you know, how, if you're building for the future at tight end, you know, long term behind Dalton Schultz, that's why I say Penton Hendershot could be an interesting name because maybe they keep four tight ends this year. Uh, maybe they aren't just satisfied with McEwen and his neck with Jeremy Sprinkle, a bit limited as more of a blocker. You know, maybe they want a fourth guy to develop. Ian Bunting also in that mix. Um, you know, I, I really could just go down as my mind races. I could, I could kind of go down position by position throughout the roster. Um, but, yeah, there's the depth inevitably will be tested. That's the one aspect of this franchise last season that in the moment we don't talk about because it could be seen as a faux pas to, to say it, you know, like a you know, sixth, in, sixth inning talk about the no-hitter. Um, but the health of the football team last season was astonishing. Uh, they went to that playoff game against the Niners, and I think there was one player, just one, who was not on the field for that game in terms of being on the starting lineup who was on available week one of, of the season. And so uh, they had an incredible job of just getting guys physically ready, but I think obviously the details of execution were what was lacking. Um, so uh, not really great. Certainly not a concise answer, uh, but I think overall, just you know, your eyes are kind of just looking at, at all these different spots. But I, I probably circle back around to the wide receiver position as the one that is most of interest. Now we've been talking about all the players and their execution, right? But it all starts up top. It all starts from the sidelines. It all starts from the booth. You know, upstairs. Um, your your, yeah, your expectations <laughs> from uh, for a Mike McCarthy now. Obviously, look, we'd all be remiss if we didn't think that McCarthy has to deliver this year. He has to. Um, even the dog agrees. And I, I, I feel like Mike McCarthy right now, I don't know if they gave him the, the tools to succeed this year. I always kind of bark at, like, there's, like, theories out there. Like, it was like a Lakers thing back in the day. I'm not a Lakers fan by any stretch. But, like, you know, Jerry West was the coach. He's like, how am I supposed to win, you know, with, with this that you're giving me? Like, and then my job's on the line. So, like. We all kind of agree or kind of consensus around Cowboys media is that Mike McCarthy, his seat has never been more on fire right now. You know what I mean? Like Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones have alluded that they love him and everything like that. And it's great. It's always been a family atmosphere over there. So wonderful. I'm sure they're really good friends. But like your expectations for Mike McCarthy this year. And do you feel like if the Cowboys don't get it done, and when I say get it done, at least get to the NFC title game, do you think that he's kind of, like, is the answer from within, or are we talking about former coaches coming back into the league to coach the Cowboys next year? I think it'll be a real conversation. It'll be a real consideration for Jerry Jones to, to think it over, to evaluate, you know, sometimes as, a, as an owner when you're tasked with making that decision, and obviously Stephen Jones's voice will matter uh, prominently into that. But it's not just the results, as perhaps difficult that can be to, to hear. You're also looking at, the process, you know, what are we doing on a day-to-day -day basis inside the building? How's the locker room responding to our leadership? Um, you're really looking at decision-making. You're looking at all these other aspects in terms of what falls under a head coach. And yes, the win and loss record, how deep you go into the playoffs ultimately is for what you answer, but the context of how you get to that point matters. So if, you know, a 2020 season comes and, you know, the, the team, you know, is battling just major, major injuries where, you know, your offensive line, your quarterback, all of that, things, things are falling apart. You have to 
look at the way your 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 team, your players responded and the way that they fought. And even if you don't reach the NFC title, you know, how did you as a group come together and, and respond to adversity? And so that's why I think it's difficult to just say if you don't reach this point in the postseason, he's right. out. I think it's difficult. But I think after last season, after a very familiar ending, you know, there's a certain someone there at the star who turns 80 in October. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to be patient to a fault and allow something that isn't there to just linger. And right. so it'll be on Jerry Jones and, and others to make a decision uh, as to Mike McCarthy's future after the season, whenever that comes. But I think it's valid to talk about. I think it's valid to speculate on. It's part of the part of the gig. And Mike McCarthy understands that. Um, but it'll be on him to what I think is a, is a very NFC East winnable roster. And when you look at this defense, when you look at you have the quarterbacks, you know, you have uh, the pieces in place to, to develop. Now you got to go develop them. That's what Oxnard's for. Uh, you, you, you know, it's about situational football. It's about the finer aspects of your position. It's about the meeting room. It's about coming together as a team. It's about chemistry. It's about all these things that the head coach oversees. Now it's time to do it. And yeah, Mike McCarthy, to some level, considering all of that, is on the clock. All right, before we let you go, we got to know, I mean, this is how we're going to wrap things up with you, is what are your expectations for this season? I mean, like, we're coming out of here 12-5 and five last year, one and done in the playoffs. We lose some key components. We gain some key components. We drafted well, I think. I think most people could say that they drafted okay. Uh, they did lose some talent. But, again, they're, they're trying to put it all together, going to Oxnard. The 2022 Dallas Cowboys are going to do what this season? Great question. Uh, my expectations, I'm trying to find a way to just answer directly. Um, I would expect them to win the NFC East. That's no promise. I'm not in that locker room. I'm not in that building. But based on the NFC East and, and the state of this division, I still think even if there is improvement elsewhere, that the Cowboys still are the most talented team. They have the most uh, security at the quarterback position. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're ve- they have veterans in place at very big spots. So um, I would expect the Cowboys to go to the playoffs and whether or not they do anything there, uh, who knows? Um, <laughs> not us. <laughs> and so you might be signing up if you're a Cowboys fan. You could be signing up with the same experience as you did last year. I think everyone, based on what I've been, to tell, been able to tell, has kind of formed some calluses as, as it relates to this era of Cowboys football until they prove otherwise. You know, are they just going to win a weak division and then fail to overcome, you know, the truly talented teams in the conference? And, and, and here we are again in January, uh, talking about what went wrong. It it all seems so familiar and so believable. So for me to predict anything different, it's difficult. Um, I don't know. And it wouldn't be for me to say, but I think my, where my attention is, I'm just focused on like, you know, where are the key spots? And so, you know, I think the, to close in this area, you know, the one signature matchup at training camp, that'll just be extremely important to the football team is every day, CeeDee Lamb versus Trayvon Diggs, two players who came in 2020, again, COVID, so no spring, you know, all the limitations that they had in terms of instruction on the field. They're very similar in terms of no one questions their ball skills, no one questions their ability to change games, but their ability to lock in on the details, to really just master the nuances of their respective crafts is the next step for both of them. If both those players on the respective sides of the football can do that, then I think the level of optimism toward that question and the conversation about what the Cowboys can achieve in 2022 suddenly elevates. All right. 
2022 optimism that's the key word that's what i took about that entire answer all i hear was optimism and i'm all on it let's go so (laughs) mr gelkin we appreciate you coming on for a couple minutes enjoy oxnard safe flight safe travels we all look forward i i I speak for tony and and we all look forward to reading all of your updates from out there so thank you again for coming on with us man my pleasure guys thanks for having me all right take care vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away that's where viator steps in you can book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back to the First and Ten podcast right here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. We want to thank Michael Galkin once again for coming on on this very special bonus blockbuster mega episode here on the bloggingtheboys.com podcast network. We also are joined today by one of Dallas Cowboys' very own, ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Humans. What's going on, bro? We are talking to Galkin. He is not packed yet. He's not left yet. Are you ready to rock? Are you on your way to Oxnard? As we speak, are you walking out the door tonight or are you a morning riser? So morning riser for me. Uh, so I'm, I'm on the team charter. So I'll go out there. We'll, we'll get to the airport tomorrow morning and then kind of walk up there and then, and then ride the buses to Oxnard. But I've started packing. I've started. I'm not finished. There's like a, a I mean, pulling back the curtains. I'm not going to turn the camera around by any means. I don't want to subject you guys to that. But there's a <laughs> massive pile of clothes on the other side of my laptop over there. I've got like a big bag that's like half full and it's not even closed yet. It's just like notes and, and, and I've got like a bunch of food in there because that's, that's the important stuff, right? Is just go ahead and take the food. So uh, I've started, but we're getting close and it's starting to feel real. It's starting to feel exciting and, and football's back, baby. 
Yeah, we're we're very pumped over here. Um, obviously, it's been a long off season, man, and I think yeah. it's it technically. I mean, yes, the the training camp starts, and it's still kind of sort of off season esque, but it starts, man. This is the new new regime, new deal, new roster. I got to ask you, just same way I asked Michael Gelkin before. You know, we start when you talk about the Dallas Cowboys in 2022. We ride or die with four. You know what I mean? We ride or die with Dak Prescott. And what I, I we, we've all read this, that Dak is, quote, in the best shape of his life, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody's jumping all over this, and they're saying this is this is it. This is the time. He's going to show everything, what he's got, blah, blah, blah. Your expectations for Dak Prescott in 2022, considering the fact that, yes, we shipped off Amari Cooper for a bag of balls. Said that twice already on this one <laughs> podcast. I just like to say that uh, we shipped off Amari Cooper for nothing. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, CeeDee Lamb is kind of vaulted into your first spot. The yeah. Gallup injury is going to linger. We got Jalen Tolbert. We got Noah Brown back. We got James Washington was signed. So there's a big, big question mark in that wide receiver room. So what are your expectations for a guy like Dak Prescott this year? I think my expectations for Dak specifically are sky high. And and the reason why is every single healthy offseason that he's had, he has elevated his game. I mean, you you can go all the way back to his rookie season in 2016. If he's been healthy throughout an offseason, he's been better as soon as the season comes around. And even you could argue last year, at least through the first six games of the season, it looked like he had taken a step without having a healthy offseason, without fully being engulfed in practices and kind of getting to that point. I think from a team standpoint overall, there's a tempered expectation, especially with some of the questions around the offensive line. Uh, I mean, losing Amari Cooper is certainly a big factor there. I, I really do believe CeeDee Lamb's going to take a, a next step and as a featured part of the offense, really uh, begin to shine and, and become an elite receiver in the NFL. But it all starts with Dak Prescott. And I think my confidence level, at least at the moment and, and barring anything, popping up injury-wise in the future, I I have the utmost expectations for him and and for him to be able to elevate that offense to uh, back to where we saw it really in the early parts of the 2021 season and uh, prior to that calf injury that I think really kind of slowed him down and uh, it kind of hindered the progress that he had shown early on. Yeah, it's funny. uh, You know, we're all wondering what Dak's going to be health-wise and everybody's saying that he's in the best shape of his life and all that stuff, and that's great. Um, but I think the one something that people aren't really talking about as much is the fact that there's not going to be like HBO up his ass. You know what I mean? Like it's not, there's no cameras being stuck up his nose. You know what I mean? Like this is a chance for him to focus. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that, you know, this preseason, this, you know, training camp is going to be the most focused that Dak has ever been. And I, like I said, losing Amari Cooper, uh, will make him out, you know, kind of have to dial it up just a little bit more. Yeah, there's an added chip on the shoulder for sure. And and yeah, having HBO there was certainly a, it's just another obstacle. It's another thing that you have there that that of course plays into your schedule and uh it, it gives you more of a responsibility there and and luckily for Dak he didn't have to play in the preseason. So it really did, didn't affect his play overall and nor do I think it really hindered his development, but uh not having that there it's just more time for him to where he could spend in film room or that he could spend with his teammates and and growing a bond there specifically but uh i I really do think that there is uh, a chance for this offense to take a next step and it's not even just because of the talent on paper because i think you could argue yeah up front there's some question marks around the offensive line we already talked about the receivers the talent may not be as stout as it was a year ago however I think they've gotten tougher. I think they mentally have a different mindset 
heading into this season. We'll see how it plays out because it's a long campaign. It's an 18-week season for a reason, uh, and, and you don't win a Super Bowl in training camp, but you can certainly take positive steps into doing so. And I think Dak Prescott has that in mind of you're not just winning the NFC East. You've got to make a deep playoff run. You've got to contend for a title uh, and if not, then really it's not necessarily worth it. And I think he knows that's the expectation when the quarterback, uh, when you are the starting quarterback for the Cowboys. You know, Kyle, depending on who you ask, you could have a vastly different uh, response about uh, Tyler Biotis in the center position. Sure. Um, as it's currently con you know, constructed on the offense, do you see anybody that's there to really push him to for that starting role? Or is that pretty much solidified as we head into training camp and, and move forward to week one? Yeah, that's kind of one of my my biggest concerns, at least up front, outside of the health of Tyron Smith and who's going to start at left guard. It's Tyler Biotish. And, and I've always been a believer in Biotish, but I also have been a, a critic of the lack of development that we've really seen because he came in and he played pretty well as a rookie. And throughout last year, of course, he played in all 17 games, started in all 17 games, but you never saw the growth that you really expected. Whereas on the other side, I was a critic of, of Terrence Steele, but I've also been a fan of his development. You've seen the growth from 78. You haven't necessarily seen that from 53. I mean, Biotish hasn't taken that next step as a guy that you wanted to be your center of the future. And I think if they're really going to see him in that spot moving forward and they're going to put a lot of confidence in there, year three is a big year for him because he does have to take a next step showing that he has solidified that spot up front, that there are no question marks. And, I don't know if there's anybody in camp right now that could necessarily challenge him for that job, but that doesn't mean that you can't necessarily go out and look for somebody else that's on the open market or maybe even on another team at some point as well. I don't necessarily think that's out of the realm of possibility. It's not toward the top of the list, but it's certainly something that you can maybe look at if Tyler Biotish doesn't show the development that they're expecting him to have. Mike McCarthy, when we talked about him in the offseason program, was super complimentary of, of both Steele and Biotish, of course, both guys came in during the COVID year, during 2020, and so they've kind of come up together that they've been in the ops or the, the workouts off-season-wise. They've been in the weight room, even on off days. Like, they've, they've put in the work. Now it's time to put it on the field, and that's going to be one of the places I have my eyes on early on. Kyle, in a recent mailbag, you wrote about how the consequences of the Broncos game was that defenses started playing way back on the Cowboys yeah. and – force him into the short game and the running game and the dink and dunk passes weren't enough to get it done. My question is, can Kellen Moore fix that in one off season? And if he can't, how confident are you that defenses won't just be able to play back anymore in 2022? Yeah, I think especially with the guy you've got behind center with Dak Prescott, you have the tools to, to take advantage of defenses like that. And it really did. It felt like a slow adjustment. Like it felt like teams that that played that way, if were talented enough, they were going to slow you down. I mean, there were a couple teams, of course, that tried to play that way that just weren't there on paper. And that's when the Cowboys still racked up to the 12 wins. Those were against teams that weren't as talented. But when you go up late in the season against teams like the Cardinals, and of course, you saw what the Broncos did to them. And uh, some of these teams down the stretch, of course, with the 49ers in the playoff game, when you're talented enough on defense and you're able to play that that deep safety look and keep everything in front, when there's no run game, it makes things exceptionally tough on an offense. You, Dak Prescott's good enough to beat that defense. Dak Prescott sub-running game, it it's, makes it exponentially harder 
to do so on a consistent basis. So my biggest thing is if you're going to help out your quarterback in order to beat some of those defensive looks like Denver showed, and I know the buzzword throughout the, the star had been blueprint. You had heard the blueprint from Denver really allowed for defenses to have success on the back end of the season, or at least talented defense to have success. Uh, you can't have a blueprint. You can't have something that's a cheat sheet to beat you. And that's what Kellen Moore's got to figure out. And one way to do that is balance, getting that run game back, showing that you can be dominant on the ground without forcing it. That's the biggest thing. Can't go in and force it, but it's got to be a, a, an ebb and flow that you haven't necessarily had, or at least you didn't have toward the back half of the year. They're heading out to Oxner tomorrow. And, um, you know, everybody, all eyes on four, all eyes on Micah, all eyes on these guys that are kind of jumping off the charts. Is there anybody um, that people aren't talking about that you specifically, Kyle Humans, has said, guys, please go watch this kid right now? You know, like, who, is there anybody that's jumping out that you have to kind of zero in on so we can all, like, because look, there's always going to be that one guy that makes the big play. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy picked off Dak twice in, in three passes. He's going to be the next, you know, Deion Sanders. Uh, shout out <laughs> to my shirt. Uh, but, like, overall, is there anybody kind of jumping off the charts at you as we go into Oxnard? Uh, yeah, I don't think there's somebody that's at the expectation of, like, let's say a Micah. Like, when he came out last year and you're you're just losing your mind because you're like, oh, my gosh, he can do so much more than just be – an off-ball linebacker, or C.D. Lamb when he came in in 2020 and he's making these fantastic grabs, spinning and one-handed catches. It's not to that level, but in terms of what they need, there are a couple guys. Sam Williams on the defensive side of the football, edge rusher, second-round pick out of Ole Miss. Uh, I really am excited to see what he does. He's got these long arms. He's ultra-athletic. He looks like he's even in better shape now than he was when he was playing at Ole Miss. He looks rocked up. He looks like he's ready to take the next step. And he's learning from guys like Demarcus Lawrence and, and Micah Parsons and uh, even having conversations with, with Charles Haley and, and uh, Tyron Smith on the side. Like he's, he is soaking up that information and I'm excited to see how he puts it to the test, especially when pads come on uh, outside of that. I really, I think the expectations are very low for James Washington. And I think he's going to exceed that on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's an underrated signing. That the Cowboys made this offseason. It's one of the few signings the Cowboys made this offseason. <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. But it it's one that I think is uh, a little underrated. And I think he's going to come in. He hadn't necessarily had that fair chance in, in Pittsburgh with the Steelers, at least toward the last couple of years, because he was either in a crowded room with Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, of course, you know what Antonio Brown did or, or whatever Brown did out there. Uh, then you've got Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback or Mason Rudolph at quarterback. That's not the case here. You're you're kind of that number three guy, maybe number two, depending on when Michael Gallup comes back into the fold and how Jalen Tolbert plays early on. I think he's ready for that, and I think he provides some of that depth that the Cowboys might be missing without an Amari Cooper or a Cedric Wilson on the roster. Absolutely. So I, we touched on it a little bit with the offensive line play, and I kind of wanted to say, you know, with recent history of Tyron Smith and his injuries, you got to be prepared for that or the likelihood that that's possible he can miss some time. With that being said, how um, how confident are you in the tackle options behind him as it currently states on the roster? I see like a little bit of a crack of a smile there. Like you like you knew what my answer was going to be and the fact that I'm not very confident <laughs> behind the guy. Like I just saw a little bit of a twinkle uh, there. Just a all part of the mess. Smile. I'm not very confident. And and there's that doesn't mean that there's no optimism there because I still think e either Matt Willetsko or Josh Ball is going to win that 
swing tackle spot. But if you ask me, like outside, Mr. Outside Hire is the the guy who I would want to be in that spot. Doesn't mean that there's anybody out there better than those guys. And I think developmentally, both of them will take a step. I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Matt Willetsko, but that doesn't mean he needs to be your 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 swing tackle option. I think right now, if you had to to put everybody that's on your roster on the table and say, all right, who is it to fill fill in and play left tackle if Tyron Smith is hurt? I think it's Tyler Smith. Because I think you would move him over to left tackle. You would put uh, Connor McGovern at left guard, and then you would work from there. But, of course, we we do fully expect for him to maybe challenge for that guard spot with Connor McGovern in the first place. So it, it turns back into that conversation of best five. But right now, your best five are on the field, and there's not a whole lot behind you. And that's where a lot of the, the conflict and the concern for me around that offensive line, especially when Tyler, Tyron Smith's still great when he's healthy, but it's a big win. It's when he's healthy. And that, that that's a lot of things that uh, kind of push that thing up in the air. Yeah. And so what we've heard this offseason from an external point of view is Dax healthier than ever. Zeke's running at 22 miles an hour. Apparently, <laughs> CD's hit a growth spurt magically. Obviously, there's been, some, there's been some drama to go along with that. But my question is... From an internal perspective and from what you've seen, how would you describe the tone and the attitude of the players this offseason? I'm going to tell you right now that that the, the Zeke and the CD storylines, I still don't necessarily wait, believe. Wait, hold on, Aiden, Aiden, Aiden. Wait, wait, wait. You don't said he had a wrong, but 22 miles an yeah. hour. I don't know if he was doing that at Ohio State. Let's, he, let's wait, hold on. He CD's got taller. Growing. Like what happened? CD's here? growing. You missed that. Oh, missed that. <laughs> oh, I I know what the report was, but like oh, I did missed we just the story. Measure him initially. Like, oh my god. Sturch missed that. Yeah, I he missed, didn't like, see I, the, the growth spread. That. Yeah, my bad. That's my fault. <laughs> Kyle, to you, bro. Sorry. Yeah. Gosh. I I mean, that was that was the biggest thing. It's like, all right, like, did we just mismeasure that whole deal? I think <laughs> Dak being in great shape is accurate. I really do. Just seeing his throws and the zip he had on the balls and OTAs. He does look like he's ready to, to take it to the next level. And it, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier. It's not just Dak with a different mindset of, all right, we've got something to prove now. Like we we had the target on our back last year and we let somebody get to us, even though we felt like we were the better team. That's not what they're saying this year. They're turning around and they're saying we've got to be the better team, no matter what day it is, no matter what the the, the suggestion is. Because, I mean, if you look out there and you guys are like this as well, I, I mean, I was a Cowboys fan growing up too. I'm, I'm like this in my fandom side of it at the same time, but there's frustration. There, there turns into apathy sometimes of where you, you haven't necessarily seen the results time and time again is, are we just going to keep doing this until the, the window is closed and then we got to rebuild and you got to turn things around. I don't think that's the case this year, but I do think that this year has more pressure on it than even years past. And I think the team kind of looks at it from that standpoint, too, from a leadership standpoint. Zach Martin, Ezekiel Elliott, C.D. Lamb, Dak Prescott, Tyron Smith. I mean, on the defensive side with Micah and LVE. And I mean, everyone is looking at this year as a we've got to prove it year, because if not, then things are going to get really dicey in the future. Yeah. And speaking of dicey, I would say I do want to talk about Mike McCarthy in a second. But before I get into that. I got to ask you, because I asked Michael Gelkin about this earlier, I asked him if this, like, you're going out there tomorrow, mm -hmm. and so are all of the Dallas Cowboys, the current Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Is there anybody that could board a plane and join this team halfway out there? Are there any free agents that you think that the Dallas Cowboys have still room to bring in? We mentioned mm -hmm. Anthony Barr earlier as yep. a possible subject because – 
There's been coverage on it. There have been reports about it. Like, look, you never know about the dollar amounts. And we all saw what happened with Von Miller. <laughs> like, yeah. So we don't know exactly if these guys are financially, like, you know, able to do this. But do you feel like there's anybody else that could be added to the Cowboys roster as of right now during the midst of camp? That was going to be my my answer. I mean, I think Anthony Barr is kind of the the go to fit there as a guy who who has relationship with some of the guys that are on the coaching staff. I, th- I believe Joe Witt Jr. player or coached him at some point along the way, and they, they've had some some contact not contact between parties, but like they've they've played together in the past, and they've they've had these relationships that could grow. And I mean, of course, Mike McCarthy played against him for years while mm-hmm. he was up in Green Bay at the same time. They added Malik Hooker last year around this time. We got to camp. We wheels down in Oxnard, and then news broke the day of the opening press conference. Hey, guess what? Malik Hooker's on his way. We're going to add some safety depth. I think the linebacker spot is where we would see that this year, if I had to guess. I don't know if it'll be Anthony Barr specifically, because like you said, there is a, a contract sort of thing that could maybe play into factor there. There's $20 million of, of cap room. That's why I they, <laughs> they want to keep. I know that's a conversation I don't want to get into. Uh, <laughs> there's some, there's, there's things to, to do with that though, that you could maybe add to the roster. He's not going to take up 20 million of your cap. You could maybe bring him in and he could be uh, a legitimate piece. And then going back to the, the topic of conversation a little bit earlier, I would love to see a tackle, a veteran tackle brought in as somebody to not only play if somebody gets hurt, but just to mentor on the back end uh, while Tyron Smith and Terrence Steele are are working at the tackle spots, have somebody in there challenging Matt Willetsko, challenging Josh Ball, uh, working with some of these guys that have been in the room but uh, haven't been in there for very long. I would love to see a veteran tackle brought in, and uh, maybe those are the spots to do so. You know, uh, Kyle, when we look at it, right, everyone knows that the big names mentioned that are supposed to come in and have an impact on this team, like mm-hmm. Tyler Smith, Sam Williams, and Jalen Tolbert. Um, but who do you see as the Cowboys most benefiting from them to have like a, you know, an immediate impact, not say Micah Parsons level, but somebody that the Cowboys would benefit most from just coming in and it clicking right away. It may not be one of those three. It could be somebody else. But in your in your opinion, who do you think they would need to see that from? Ooh, that's a tough one because you're you're eliminating some of the names I would love to put on that list. Like like Jalen Tolbert was the first name I heard. That would be the biggest benefit. If he comes in and balls out immediately, then that's a huge benefit because that opens things up for James Washington, CeeDee Lamb. And then, of course, when Michael Gallup comes back in, he can play at a high level as well. But so we're saying like super under the radar is kind of where you're at. Well, you know, you could mention them. I just like those are the names that people mention. They're like, okay, yeah, this may be chalk. Jalen Tolbert's gonna have a big, uh, you know, a big impact on the season. But it could be them. It could be somebody under the radar. It just depends on who you think could happen. Okay, I've I've got a good one. How about how about on the back end of the the defense? There's two names that kind of come to mind. Nashawn Wright is one that he didn't really make an impact last year. He was a top 100 pick. One of which that was a little scrutinized when the pick was made because he was a fifth-round, sixth-round grade on most boards, but he was picked in the third round, made some kind of impact on special teams. He wasn't a core guy, wasn't somebody that John Fossil just raved about. But uh, I think if you're going to put him in a cornerback rotation right now, he'd probably be the fifth or sixth guy in that rotation. And, and of course, with Kelvin Joseph and and maybe a potential suspension looming from his whole deal off the field, I don't know if anything's going to come of that either. Uh, but I think those two guys specifically need to have an impact. And then what about Donovan Wilson? 
Ooh, love it. A lot love of people it. haven't thought of him in a while, but you think about the back end of that 2020 season, Dono was the playmaker on defense. I mean, he came up and, and, and made plenty of plays as interceptions, forced fumbles, big hits, doesn't matter. He made the impact plays during that winning streak toward the back half of that 2020 season. He's been a little forgotten about with, with the rotation of Malik Cooker. Of course, Jamer Curse having the year that he did last year. He's still that third guy. He's still on the roster, and he's back and healthy, and he's playing a little bit better uh, as well. I think if he can have a, a good training camp, he, he didn't have a great training camp last year. If he can turn that around and be better in Oxnard this year, I think he could find his way into the rotation, which in in all just helps out the entirety of that secondary and can continue to keep a, a fresh rotation, a deep rotation of guys uh, that they could utilize and Dan Quinn could certainly use. You mentioned before Aiden, right before Aiden, you mentioned Kelvin Joseph. Um, uh, from what I gather, um, it looks like they're going to suspend Ezekiel Elliott for six games because of everything <laughs> that happened with, uh, with Kelvin Joseph. Go ahead, Aiden. <laughs> yeah, I just had one more question for you, and we're it will be an easier question. So from our point of view, going to training camp and getting to just be around the team for the entire preseason it seems like an amazing experience. From your perspective, what's the best part about training camp and what's the your least favorite part about training camp? Ooh, that's a fun one. I I mean, I'm I'm right there with you guys. Like I know every single one of you guys without a hesitation would switch spots like any day to be able to get to go and hang out at training camp. Like and I I completely understand that. I don't take that for granted. I really don't. I work my butt off to to be able to bring the best content. I'm I'm working 24/7 out there. It's I like to call it a football sabbatical because you eat, sleep, drink, breathe football for a month. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited that I'm the one that gets to do that. So that's probably the best part is, is getting to kind of spend a month, getting into the season, kind of, kind of networking and working back and forth and building these relationships because this is the best way to do it. Seeing the fans out there is so much fun, man. I only got to go once. I mean, last year was my first year. Uh, and getting to see like Cowboys Nation showing out on the West Coast was was really, really cool. And I mean, like it, that's the thing is if you're watching this and you're out in the West Coast and you're going to training camp, say hi to me because I love that. Like I, I love the fact that people recognize and, and see the work that we put in at, at the same time. I mean, because those those guys are working hard outside of me, the Nick Eatmans, the. The Rob Phillips, of course, David Hellman, no longer with DallasCowboys.com, but he works his ass off too. Like those guys work really hard. So say hi, have some fun. Uh, we're having a blast out there. The worst part about it, especially just because I, I work for who I work for, I'm out there the entirety of training camp. So I'm out there for an entire month. Uh, and that's tough because I'm away from my fiance. We're kind of planning a wedding and we're kind of getting into that sort of life part of life. And that's probably the hardest part about it is I, I miss having her. She's my best friend. So uh, that's, that's the worst side, but man, it really is a lot of fun going out there and I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. She said yes already. So you don't have to, you don't have to butter up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> let's not, let's not get carried away. <laughs> You're right. Hey, listen, until the contract signed and the, and the ring is on the finger. I totally agree with you, bro. I'm in that same boat. Wait till you have kids, bro. It gets even better. Um, but anyway, uh, before we let you go, man, I got to know, obviously I was going to bring up Mike McCarthy. The writing is not on the wall for him. This season's big for him. You know, like yeah. it's one of those things where, 
you know, is it make or break? A lot of people are kind of leaning towards yes. It, it, a lot of people are saying, you know, if, if they don't lease, I asked Mr. Uh, Mr. Gelkin, like he's you know so professional, Michael <laughs> Gelkin before, um, if, if this is like, if, did he have to get to an NFC title game in order to keep his job? And he said there's a lot of intangibles that go into play, you know, as far as, you know, how do they bounce back from adversity? How do they do this? How does, how does the locker room kind of respond to a bad loss? All that, right? All that being said, two-part question. Your expectations for Mike McCarthy – and what he has to do to remain in Dallas after this year, and how far can this team go? What are your expectations for the 2022 Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, I think right now it's hard to look at this team and say that they are a Super Bowl contender. However, I, I do think they have the talent that if they put it together and they get hot at the right moment and, and they can really hit their ceiling, I think they have a chance to make a, a deep run, and that could – potentially mean an FC championship game means Super Bowl. That doesn't mean it's the expectation. I'm saying that that's the ceiling. They have a ceiling high enough to do that. So mm -hmm. that's, that's at least something to be excited about. I think the expectation is to be kind of where they were last year when it was a like when you didn't reach expectations, when the NFC East potentially win a playoff game, should win a playoff game, uh, and then work from there. That's probably where the expectation lies from a talent standpoint. They expect so much more. Fans expect so much more. I don't know if that keeps Mike McCarthy's job if they don't get more. That's kind of where I'm at because especially after seeing the reaction of the front office, of the team, of the fans after losing that game against San Francisco, nobody's gotten over it yet. Right. And I mean, and that includes Mike McCarthy. I don't want to pretend like he's over it at, at the same time. Nobody is. But if he's going to stick around and they're going to build something special in Dallas, he would have to convince them that that either they were just outmatched in that playoff game or they didn't have enough to get it done or whatever it may be. If you don't make the playoffs, I, I don't know if there's really a chance he sticks around. He would have to do some some really good selling in order to do so, especially when you've got a Kellen Moore and a Dan Quinn on your, your staff already that – uh, do have high expectations as head coaches in the league at some point, too. So uh, there's a lot of pressure, to say the least, I think, on McCarthy on this team. And, and he knows it. Like you said, the writing's not on the wall. It's on the table. Like, it's in front of them. I mean, it, they know what the job is and what they need to get done. And I think it's it starts in training camp. But like I said, long season, win your division, get in the tournament, and make a run. That's what it's going to take for him to be around. All right. Sounds about right. Uh, we left with optimism with uh, with Galkin, and I feel like we're leaving with a little bit of optimism here. So this is a good thing. <laughs> good signs for Dallas Cowboys and all the fans and the listeners out there to watch and listen to this. Um, all right, man. Listen, we want to thank you for taking a little time out of your, your Sunday evening. I know you got a lot of packing to do. We look forward <laughs> to seeing all of your coverage throughout the, the entire month of August. I'm telling you, all the Cowboys fans right now are salivating for content. Um, and it's, you know, there's no better place to find it than DallasCowboys.com. So in all the Dallas Cowboys media network and everything that you guys do out there, keep grinding, keep busting that ass. And uh, we're expected to. Uh, oh, of course, <laughs> blogging the boys.com. Yeah, he's uh, hey, listen. Uh, I'm a company guy. Company, company man. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of should plug everything that we're doing. Yeah. So, again, Kyle, safe travels. Enjoy it out there. And, uh, you know, like I said, we look forward to seeing you all over the big screen. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Take care. Thanks, man. Mo. Thank you, man. Hi, man.
All right, that was Kyle Humans of DallasCowboys.com, the Dallas Cowboys media, all the things that they do out there. We had a monster, monster episode today, gentlemen. We had Michael Gelkin on. We had Kyle Humans on. It was the perfect way to end all this waiting, right? Are we done waiting already, Tony? It's it, The wait is over. The training camp is here. We had the two biggest Two of the two of the biggest writers and content creators and and guest members of the Dallas Cowboys media on this blogging the boys uh, podcast here on first and ten. Anything you could take away from either one of them? Man, you know what? Besides I, everything, I, I, yeah. Besides everything, right? It was it was a ton of ton of content, ton of information there. And what I kind of took from it was these are guys in the know, people that we respect immensely. That's why we wanted to bring it and put it on this podcast for for the people that listen to our show weekly. So, but to see these guys who are in the know, well respected to have some of the same concerns that we do and hear some of the th- same things that we see about free agency, Anthony Barr, them having uh, question marks. It-, it puts a little validation to Cowboys fans and people like us that like, okay, we do understand a perspective, but we understand how this team operates because these guys hear it, they know it, and they have the same exact concerns as us. And like you said, I'm glad that they ended everything on an optimistic, positive note because this team is a good football team. We can't lose sight of that. But the question marks are there, and I think that they're going to help us get the answers that we're looking for. I'm 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 pumped for it, Aiden. Uh, you definitely lighten the mood when you asked uh, Kyle what his favorite part of training camp is. Uh, are you going to be in this um, this this road trip, this this trip that we make next year? Are we all going? Can we just make this a thing right now and mark it, it down on, on July 24th, 2022, that July 24th of 2023, all three of us are heading out there? Yeah, and we'll do some live streams or something. Keep Yeah. Oh, yeah. The other people will be interviewing us because they want our insight about what is what it's going to be like at camp. There's the confidence I was waiting to hear. So anyway, yeah, so a great time with those guys. We will also, again, once again, want to thank them for their time uh, taking it out of their packing night. Both of those guys literally are packing bags right now and heading out to Oxnard, California for a month of Dallas Cowboys training camp. So it'll be exciting. We're all excited to get some content. We'll probably get a couple, you know, flashes of good catches and great throws and Zeke looking just as ripped as ever and all this other stuff. We're going to we're going to get it all and it's all going to be found on bloggingtheboys.com. You got something else Aiden before I was going to wrap up. I can feel it. There is when you're listening to this podcast, 10 days until preseason football. Mm, we are reaching almost single digit Actual, like not actual football, but football uh, is coming. Wait, the Boys, whole did it. game already? Yeah, it's August fourth. Oh my god! Ooh. Oh baby, Boys, we, we did go. it. I don't think you realize we did it, boys. We made it through the yeah. Hockey. Another the listen, next time we're the, in the, we're gonna the be forty nine er The the forty nine er game is in the rearview mirror. The forty nine er game is no longer in my thoughts, except for right now as I'm. I'm reminiscing about the 49ers game again. I don't want to do this right now. (laughs) We'll put it behind us officially. The new season is underway. Once again, thank you to Michael Gelkin. Thank you to Kyle Humans. Thank you, the people that are listening to this, uh, because you, you know, by listening and leaving reviews and everything that you guys do as listeners, it keeps uh, keeps the lights on, I guess, at (laughs) bloggingtheboys.com. But uh, we want to thank you guys. So for Dave Sturchio and, of course, Tony Catalina, Aiden Davis, this has been another blockbuster, jam-packed, loaded episode of the First and Ten Podcast. Good luck to the Dallas Cowboys as they embark on the 2022 regular season and training camp and everything they're about to do. See you guys next week.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.